Right, well, we had a, uh, had a good time. Me and Mr. Charles Guffey played golf on a, at the a golf tournament. And uh, had a couple of, Matt Samuel was on our team and had a, a student from Homer Christian on our team. We, we went to this, I think it was our, fir- our first hole. Was it the first hole where they had the toilet? The first hole that we teed off on, hole 10? So they had the toilet on the, on the tee box. And if you pay $20, you know, it's a fundraiser for, for APOR. So you, you pay $20, you get to sit, sit, sit on the toilet, and you get to tee up your ball and hit it. And wherever your ball lands in the fairway, hopefully, wherever it lands, that can be where you, your first shot comes from. That can be where you tee off. So it's a par four, so if you get it out there good ways, you, you basically can be, be on the green putting for eagle. And so I saw, I, I saw a picture someone uh, had posted of me, Jessica Wall that posted a picture of me hitting, and I, di- I just, you don't ever look good sitting on a toilet swinging a golf club, <laughs> but I hit it good, like, I mean, I, it, I don't know, it might have went 150 yards down the middle of the fairway, so it was a nice shot, but uh, anyway, it was a good time, it was a great, great, great tournament, and uh, I, I, uh, I was up late last night, as I'm sure a lot of you guys were, and so this afternoon, uh, this afternoon, I'm not used to this time change yet so i was up till I, I waited until trump gave his speech i wanted to see it all the way through and um and so uh, this afternoon i went took a nap at three o'clock I finished my notes took a nap and i woke up at from i slept from three to five five almost five fifteen and i woke up and i'm like it's dark i don't know where i'm at i feel like it's another day i'm like did i am i late what am i doing here but uh, I feel rested now, so I'm, uh, I'm alert and ready to preach. But I, I just had one thought about last night. You know, I was thinking about everything that happened. And when I saw Donald Trump, as he was in that hotel conference room and he was walking towards the podium to give his speech, I looked at my wife because I went and woke her up and said, you got to come see this. And uh, I just looked at Trump walking up and I just looked at Estelle I said, we need to pray that God helps that man. <laughs> we need to pray. And I pray. We should pray that about all of our presidents. But it just was such a historic election. No one thought. Nobody. I was resigned to the fact that he was not going to win. Just, just knew it. No one thought he was. It's because he was a complete outsider. And he was not a politician. And he was an entertainer. You know, he just didn't fit. He was not very president. He was not very presidential the whole election cycle. A lot of them weren't very presidential, and so I just this morning in our staff meeting, we just really we prayed for him, prayed that that God would surround him with men that love God. You know, it, it doesn't matter who the president was. If Hillary would have won, I, we would have prayed the same thing this morning, maybe with a, a little bit more fervor, but we would have. We would, have, we would have prayed the same thing for her, that God would surround her with people that love God. Because a president, yeah, he is the most influential person in America and around the world. They call him, you know, the leader of the free world. But he's just a man, just a person. God is king. God's in charge. And, and God can move the heart of an individual to do things that honor him. And so that, that's how we should pray. And... And, I, you know, there are a lot of people in our country right now that are discouraged and are overwhelmed and feel like this is something that they never saw coming. And so we need to pray that God would bring healing into our nation, 
You know, we have a, a moment in our country where we have a Republican president, a, a majority in the House and the Senate, and I believe God can do things in that environment in ways that we weren't able to see in the last eight years. And so we need, as, as, as a church, I think it's important that we pray that God would surround our president with godly men so that for at least the first two years before the midterm elections come back around, at least for two years, that we can, that there can be some things that will change. I didn't plan on saying all this, but I just want to say this. I heard it, and I don't listen to NPR very often. It's a very liberal-leaning news organization, but I'd like to stay in tune with what liberal people think because they need Jesus too. And so I was listening this morning on the way to church, and one of the commentators, you know, obviously the Supreme Court is a big deal right now because whoever Trump nominates, barring a huge fight, they're going to get in. And so Roe v. Wade was mentioned this morning from in, on NPR radio about the distinct possibility that we could see that overturned in, in, in our time. And so I, I just, that is a significant, and for that to come from a liberal news organization like, in, like NPR, and I don't know all the possibilities, it would probably, it's going to be an, an enormous fight. But God can do it. And so I, I think that if there's one thing, listen, if there's one thing for us to pray for as believers, I think that's one significant thing we should pray for, that we should pray that in our time, in my kids' generation, that we could see, that we would see Roe v. Wade overturned. That is a, that is a scourge. Abortion is a scourge on our country. The fact that we murder unborn children, and if we could, if, if it can happen where we can fight and stand up for the unborn uh, I just, that, that, that's my, one of my primary prayers. A- everything else, you know, I, I never expect for our country to be a moral nation. We, as much as we want to think that we were a moral nation in the beginning, we have, we may have, we may have put God in the forefront in our nation in its founding, but we have always been a nation of people that have, that have not served God. It's always been a, a mixture. And that, but of course, it's increased throughout generations. And so I don't expect our nation to ever be a nation that honors God like I want to honor God. You guys with me? You guys get that? Because I think there's this idea that, you know, we're going to get a president in there that now all of a sudden America's going to start loving God. It's not going to work that way. We, the church has always, has always been from the birth of the church. They were, the church was a subculture. Was born, the church was born in the midst of fire, the fire of persecution, right? So why would we ever think that we would have a different type of existence? That wherever the gospel is, there's going to be difficulties because it runs counterculture to a pagan society. But we can pray that our influence that we have in our nation would continue, that we would still be able to have a voice. Fight for the unborn and fight for religious liberty. Amen? Okay, that's my, my political take on what happened last night. And, and it, it, it does tie into what we want to talk about. We, we, I want to talk about God's will. And I titled this message, Thy Will Be Done. And so as I'm looking through Proverbs 27, you know, there's so many different themes that you could cover. And there's a couple of the verses that stood out. But before we get to that, you know, when we have been going through Proverbs 
Proverbs is a book of doing, right? It's a book of here's a way you should live and here's a way you should not live. Comparisons and contrasts. Live this way according to God's ways and God will honor you and you'll be blessed. Live like a fool and disobey God's ways and you'll be cursed and you will not have a successful, prosperous life. And so it's a book of looking at how we should live, how we should think, how, how we should honor God. And so it really fits in, I think, with a lot of, of our personality as human beings. We like to be doers. Give me a list. Tell me what to do. And I want to do it. You say I should live like this. Hey, then, then that's what I want to do. We, we're, we're doers. We want to get it done. And that can be our personality. That, that can be a, the way in which we approach life. I want to get it done. I want to see things happen. And, and that, that it, can be a, it, can be, it can end up being a dangerous end up being a dangerous way to think in some areas, and in particular concerning God's will and God's plan. If, if, if we reduce life, if we reduce our life down to just a list of do's, we just got to do this, and I'm in control. If, if I do this, then I know this is going to happen. And then we can begin to think that we are supreme in our life, that if, if I can do it, if I can make it happen, then I'm going to be okay. You guys following me? And we can lose sight of the fact that God is sovereign. That he is in control. That he has a plan that he wants to accomplish in our country, in our church, in our families, in our life. And so sometimes we can, we can forget that reality that God is at work. And that we ultimately want to say, thy will be done. We don't want to trust in our own ability to get things done. You know, I think about, you know, uh, you know, just last night, <laughs> think about one political party felt like they had done everything and that they were in control. I mean, that, that's how it felt like, right? Felt like last night that that was kind of the feel. The polls said a certain thing and the, and the, the, the Democratic Party had done their ground game. They had... The, the candidate they thought was going to win, and they felt like they were in control. And then all of a sudden, they had no control. Because the reality is, is that God is in control. And in our lives, we can, we can think that if I do this, and I do that, and I, fix, and, and I approach it this way, then I'm going to get the result that I want. But that doesn't always happen like that. And we know that, don't we? Don't you? We know that about life. We know that things in our life don't always work out the way we think they should work out. But... Sometimes we get frustrated because we think, well, I did this and I did what I thought I should do and I'm a doer. And how come this is not working out? And there needs to be this place that we come to in our life as believers where we rest in the providential work of God in our life. God is at work. This is not a situation in our life, in our existence, where God has just let go of us and left us up to our own life and said good luck have fun god is he's working in our life he is he's moving and he's orchestrating and i've I've felt it in my life as i've as i've grown up as i've got married as i've had kids there's just different things i can look back and a lot of times it's hindsight a lot of times we don't see god's hand moving in a situation and we we do what we know we should do and then we step back a couple years later and we see wow look the sovereign hand of God that moved here and, and did this and orchestrated this and brought me in a relationship here and opened up this store. And so, so many times we don't see it. And so we, we forget to rest in, 
in that. And we get so overwhelmed in our doing and in our striving and in our working and in our trying to make things happen. And I, I, I believe for us that we need, that God wants us to rest in his sovereign care. You, you guys need to hear that tonight. We need, you, need, you need to rest in God's sovereign care that he is at work in your life, even when you don't see it, even when you can't, even when you think, man, I just don't see God's hand at all. I feel like I'm just alone and I'm doing what I know I should do. I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm checking off all the boxes, but I just don't feel that he's here. He's there and he's at work and you will see it. You'll see it. You know, you'll see it. You might be in the fire right now, maybe challenging, but you'll see it. And we need to place our confidence in his work in our lives and not place our confidence in our own ability to get things done. This is kind of the theme here in Proverbs 27, verse 1. It says this, Do not boast about tomorrow. Why would people boast about tomorrow? Because they think they've done enough today to make tomorrow pretty good. Why did, why did the Democratic Party boast about tomorrow? Yesterday? <laughs> or on, on the 6th? On the or no, the seventh, they boasted because they did what they thought they had to do. And they, they were confident. That's why people boast about tomorrow because they've checked off. I've checked off all the boxes. I'm going to boast about what I know is going to happen because I've done what I need to do. Don't boast about tomorrow, the Lord says, for you do not know what a day may bring. Our confidence is, in, is not in us. <laughs> our confidence is not in our preparations for tomorrow. And our preparations for the future. Our confidence is in a sovereign God who is working in ways that we don't see. That is my confidence. If I don't have that confidence, then I'm, I'm scared. Because if it's up to me, if my future is up to me, if my future is up to me and, and then my future is up to influence from the, from the devil and he can, and he can ruin my future and, and God, and a view of God's sovereignty is nowhere to be found, then I live in terror and fear constantly because I have no sense of rest. Because then I, I can constantly feel like, well, if I, don't, if I don't check the right box and I don't do this perfectly, then my future's not secure. And, and, and then on the flip side, if the devil gets me and messes up my life, then my future is not secure. And you just have no sense of rest. We have to learn to rest in God's care. So we do not boast about tomorrow because we don't know what the day may bring. And then another section in Proverbs 27. It's going to... As we get further along into this message, we'll have to explain this next section a little bit further. But it says, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring, caring for your herds. For riches don't last forever. And the crown may not be passed to the next generation. After the hay is harvested and the new crop appears and the mountain grasses are gathered in, your sheep will provide wool for clothing and your goats will provide the price of a field. And you will have enough goat's milk for yourself, your family, and your servant girls. So we're going to look at those two verses. I just want to bring out some thoughts. What does it look like to trust in God's sovereign care versus trusting in our own ability to get it done? What does that look like in our life? The first thing I think it looks like, as I was thinking about it and praying about it, is I think trusting in God looks like not placing hope in our ability 
to secure the future. Trusting in God looks like not placing hope in our ability to secure the future. Do not boast about tomorrow, Proverbs 21, 27 one says. And that word boast, when you study that word boast out, this is what it means in the original languages. It means to shine, to make a show, to clamorously, to be clamorously foolish, to rave, to celebrate. And so the word, said, the, the, the word of God says that we should not boast about tomorrow. God says don't boast about tomorrow. Don't, 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 don't be celebrating about tomorrow when you don't really know what a day is going to bring. Don't celebrate because you think you've got it figured out. Don't celebrate about tomorrow because you've checked all your boxes and your confidence is in your own ability to make sure your future is okay. That is not a place to rest. We rest in the fact that God is in our future before we get there. God has secured our future before we even take a step into the future. God, is, God, is, God, is, God was in our past, he's in our present, and he is in our future. And he is, he's working ahead of us. So don't, don't boast. And so that picture of boast, I, I kind of phrased it like this. People, people celebrate, rave, and shine with foolish clamoring when they believe they know what the future will bring. Have you ever met somebody like that? They're just so overly confident that something's going to happen. They just overly, they, they, they rave, they celebrate, they, are, they, 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 they foolishly clamor about what they believe is going to happen. And how many times have you seen it where it just doesn't happen that way? Something changes, something that was unforeseen, unexpected, and then it can throw them for a loop. And you feel, have you experienced that? Where you feel confident about something and then, and then something out of your control took place. Well, if you don't have a view of God's sovereign care, then it can really throw you for a loop in, in your life. And you can even begin to, you can even begin to blame God. You can say this. Well, wait a minute, God. We've been going through the book of Proverbs here. Seeing what a life looks like that honors you. And I've been checking off my boxes. And I've been living in ways that honor you. Hold up. They're not, they're not supposed to be curveballs. It's not right. Wait a minute. My future is supposed to be secure because I'm living the way I should be living. Does that work? Would anybody like to give me a testimony about how, how that doesn't work? I, I think we could do that, right? <laughs> we could all spend a lot of time talking about, wait, I've done everything the way I should, and then it doesn't work. It doesn't work out. I, I, remember, I remember working at, at Safeguard, putting in burglar alarm systems. And I checked all my boxes, ran all the wires correctly, put all the c- connections and all the sensors correctly, turn on that, put the system in test with the, with the monitoring center to where something goes off, the cops don't show up, I've checked all the boxes, turn on the system, wait, and there's an error. Wait a minute, I've checked all the boxes, I've done all the work, I know that it was good, and some, there's a curveball here, it's not right. That's life, that's the nature of life. And so... We cannot boast about tomorrow. We don't know. We, we are not promised our next breath. You can check all the boxes off. You can, you can do all the things that you know are right. And the outcome can still not come out the way you think it should come out. And what are you going to do then? Where's your faith going to be? If your faith is in your ability, then you're going to be dismayed. If your faith is in what you have done and accomplished to prepare your good future, then you're going to be upset and angry, and then you're going to start blaming. You'll blame yourself. It's your fault. You're going to blame God. You're going to blame other people. We can't. We can't. We can't live life. Th- we can't live life that way. There needs to be this steadying effect 
of this constant reality that God is there and he's working and he's moving. And the reason I don't boast, if I'm going to boast about anything about tomorrow, is I'm going to boast about the fact that God is there. I don't know. I don't don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I may be with Jesus tomorrow. I might be. This may be the last message I preach. I hope you enjoy it. And I'm okay with saying that. Some people are superstitious. Oh, no, you better not. Come on now. It's okay. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If I'm with the Lord, I'm with the Lord. Pray. Take care of my wife and kids for me. We have to have this sense of rest. That God, God, you're there. I'm not, I can't boast in tomorrow because I don't know what's going to happen. But I can boast in the fact that you're there. And my confidence is in that. Not in my ability to work to work it and secure my future. There's, I mean, I could just go on and on talking about situations. You look at the stock market crash in 2008. You know, a lot of people boasting about their future. They looked at their 401k the day before the crash, and they thought, "Man, my future looks pretty good." What about what about the people that maybe they were a few days, a few weeks away from retirement? I know somebody personally that lost $50,000 that day in one day. But just think about the people that were about to get ready for retirement and then 08 happened. They had some boasting about tomorrow. They felt secure. You just don't know. And so we have to remain in a place of trusting God's sovereign care in our life. This is what James chapter 4 says. James chapter 4 verses 13 through 16. It says this. It says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, so in, instead of what we just said here, instead this is what we should say. If the Lord wills, if Lord, thy will be done. If the Lord wills, we will live. I always stop right there when, when I read that section. If, if, if the Lord wills, I'm going to live. He holds my breath. He gave me my breath. And his breath, my breath belongs to him. If the Lord wills, I'm going to live. And then if the Lord wills, I'm going to do this or do that. Go here and go there. Because he's in my future. My future is in his hands. Not in my hands. As it is, your boast You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Why is that type of boasting evil? Because it's evil because you're putting confidence in your flesh. And not confidence in God's ability to secure your future. So our future, our tomorrow rests in the hands of God. Listen to this. My future is not dependent upon my own ability or lack thereof. Whatever God's called me to do. My future is not dependent upon whether or not I'm going to have the skills to do it. It's dependent dependent upon what God's going to do. And when I lack the skills, if I lack the ability, if I lack the, the, the insight, God's going to provide it when I need it. It's my future is not secure, not dependent upon my own ability or lack thereof. Nor does my future rest in the abilities or decisions of other people. Some of you think if somebody wouldn't have done that or somebody would have done this, then my life would have been a a little different. 
Your future does not rest in a decision from another person. Your future is in the care of your God that loves you and has a plan for your life. And it may look like hell at times. And you may think people, these decisions that people have made, uh, this, this, this is difficult. And it looks like they're controlling your destiny. It's not true. God is in control. He's working his plan. And, and we may, we, we're, gonna, we're, not, we're not promised we're not going to go through the fire. And we're not promised that, that from point A to point B, God's will for our life, we're not promised that in between, we're gonna ha- that we're not going to have ups and downs and twists and turns and, and bad things done to us and, and people being rude and stabbing us in the back and making promises and breaking them. We're not promised that we're not going to have any of that, but we're promised that point B is secure. It's there. And God's going to get us there. And, and this journey of the ups and downs, that's called life. And God promised in this season of life on earth, the ups and downs of life, that he would be with us. He would hold our hands, that he would never forsake us. And in that, in those journeys, in those ups and downs, God is refining us by fire. And, and when we think we're ready for B, we're not ready for B yet. We're not ready for that time yet. And that's just why we go through those things. And God is maturing us and growing us. Amen. I'm encouraging myself. It's maturing us and growing us. You know, sometimes, sometimes you can think that that job promotion that you've been waiting on is, is in somebody else's hand. I just want to encourage you. It's not. That person may think that it's in their control. Your boss may think he's got your future. <laughs> it's not true. It, God... God God sets kings up and sets, sets kings down. When God wants to promote you, watch out. Ain't no boss going to stop it. He'll get you another job where you make more money. Amen. I just want to say so much more right now. That's so why I'm just kind of stopping, but I don't know what to do. I just want to keep going. We can just preach this and let, and let y'all go home. But I just, I just can't emphasize this strong enough. We have to rest. In God's sovereign care. I, I, that, that view helps me so much in difficulties, in, in trial and in pain, when I don't understand. You know, there's so many times in life we go through things where we don't get it. And if we think God is distant, and we think he's off somewhere and he's removed himself from our existence, we have nowhere solid to place our foot. We need something to stand on in the midst of difficulty. And the view of God's sovereign working in our life is that solid place to stand on, that he's with us. Amen? So number two, here's another thought. Trusting in God looks like diligence and providence. So I've been talking this first point a lot about providence. That God is providentially at work when we don't see it. He's sovereign. He's working in ways we can't see. But trusting in God is diligence as well. God just doesn't say, okay, I'm gonna, you just don't have to do anything. We've been going through the book of Proverbs. Don't worry about, don't worry about living a life that honors me. I'm sovereignly going to work things out in your life and you don't have to do anything. Is, is that how it works? No, no. And that's, that's the age-old tension, right? God's sovereignty, man's, man's free will, right? People argue about it. They've been arguing about it for generations. <laughs> but... Both are true, right? 
God is sovereignly working, whether people want to think they are or not, whether people want to think he is or not. But man has a responsibility. We can't just sit. I'm not going to get a check if I don't show up to work. I can I can I can say, God, I'm trusting in your sovereign care to take care of me. I'm not going to go to work today. Good luck with that. God, 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 God looks at you and says, if you don't eat, you don't if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, I can't provide for you. You got you got to work with me here. I want to be in, in working in your life and, and moving and move. But you've got you. You have to be diligent. And this is what we see in this next section in Proverbs. This is such a good little section here. Um, we're, we're going to break it down as we go. We, I, I read it earlier, but it's Proverbs 27, starting in verse 23. It says, know the state of your flock. So this is talking about a picture of somebody who owns cattle and, and sheep and fields and grains and they, 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 they're like a shepherd or a farmer and so this first verse in verse 23 says know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds what's what's that picture of it's work it's a picture of diligence put your heart into what god's called you to do so a lot of times when we're you know, talking about this idea of point a to point b we see god's will that's over here we, we god's called us to do something but we're at point point a and a half and we're somewhere in between and we we feel like we're headed somewhere and so we sometimes can forget that we need to be diligent right where we are we have to be faithful that that we just can't float around and not do anything we have to be we have to we have to care for the flocks give our heart to the flocks that god has called us to tend and to shepherd we have to be diligent where god has called us our diligence to do the work that god has placed before us is obedience to his revealed will in our life. There could be, un, there's the unknown will of God in certain areas that, that we don't know and we're waiting for God to, to, to providentially move to show us how to get to those areas. But there's a revealed will of God. You're called to be a diligent worker. You're called to be a faithful husband and wife. You're called to raise children that honor God. You're called to be salt and light in this earth. There are revealed, there is a revealed will of God in front of us. And so we say, God, let your will be done, the unknown. But God, let your will be done, the, the, the known. Help me to be diligent. Help, help me to do what I should do to obey you and to honor you. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says this. Whatever your hand finds to do, whatever, do it with your might. Some translations say, do it with all of your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Basically saying, when you're dead, you're not going to have any work to do. But whatever, when you're alive, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever God's placed in front of you to do, do it with all of your might. Do it with all of your might. Do it as unto the Lord. Work with all of your heart to fulfill the, to obey and fulfill the, the revealed will of God in your life. And the other stuff, the stuff that you don't see answers to yet, the unknown will of God, the things that you're waiting on, you're praying for, the things that you are trusting God for, you leave that into God's sovereign care. You rest in that and you say, God, I'm going to do right now. I'm going to be diligent to do right now what you called me to do. And I'm going to rest in the fact that you are at work, that you're moving and I can trust you. Amen. God knows exactly where we are. He's not surprised with the decisions that we make. 
Our responsibility is to be diligent and faithful wherever we find ourselves and to trust God with the future. So that's that first section of 27. It talks about this idea of diligence. Put your heart into caring for your herds, for your flocks. And then it goes down in this next section, verses 25 to 24, 25, yeah, 24. It says, for riches don't last forever. This is kind of the idea about not boasting about the future. Riches don't last forever. And, and, and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. When I, when I studied that out, the idea there was that in Jewish times, there would have been, that there was this tradition that every 50 years, the, the hands, the, the, the ownership of the property that was owned in the family would be passed on to a, a, another family member. And so this is kind of the picture of what it's saying here. Be diligent with what's in front of you because you don't, riches don't last forever and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. You don't know what the future is going to hold. It, may not, it, it, it could be that you're going to have to give up what you've been working for. So don't boast about it. Be diligent, but our diligence and faithfulness does not secure for us the future of our liking. Just because, and this is kind of back to my original point, we just can't say, well, because I'm being diligent, I'm going to secure the future that I like. God is the one that gives us what he desires. You, you guys following me? And so our future is in his hands. And so we, we, we don't know. Riches don't last forever, and we're not promised that we're going to get what we think we should get. Our responsibility is to be diligent and to leave our future in the hands of a sovereign, loving, faithful God. Amen? And into this next section, I think is so, it's so neat. Such a great place to land. Next section, it says, After the hay is harvested and the new crop appears and the mountain grasses are gathered in, your sheep will provide wool for clothing. And your goats will provide the price of a field. And you will have enough goat's milk for yourself, your family, and your servants, girls, and your servant girls. Do you see the contrast there? Verse 23. Work hard. Be diligent. But remember, riches don't last forever. We're not promised the future. We don't know. But you need to work hard and be diligent and trust God because God is providentially working. And he's the one. That is going to cause the hay to be harvested. He's going to cause the hay to grow so you can harvest. We can't control that. I can't control the hay growing. I can be, do my diligent work, but God's, I can't, I'm not, I can't make that grow. That's a, that's a method beyond my control. I can't cause the grass to appear on the mountains. I can't cause the sheep to produce, to, to, to grow fat. God's the one who causes, God created sheep. I can't, I just, I have to be diligent to do what I can do, but I trust in God's providential care that he's going to cause the grass to grow. He's going to cause those sheep to eat and to grow and to mature to where I can one day slaughter them and have wool to keep me warm in the winter. He's the one that, that, that produces the milk in the goats so I can provide for myself, my family, and my servant girls. God is providentially at work. You see, you, you guys see that balance. We're diligent, but God's the one that does it. I mean, think about this. You know, God, God's the one who gave me the breath to even wake up. I mean, he's the one that I get up and I do my work and I, and I live my life because he gave it to me. My life is a gift. Your life is a gift from God. His providential care is all over our life. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here. He's the, he's the giver 
and the sustainer of our lives. And so we can never lose sight of that. We, 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 we say, God, I'm going to be diligent to do what you call me to do. I see it. It's in front of me. I'm going to be faithful. But I'm trusting you to do what I can't do. I can't cause the grain to grow. I can't cause the sheep to grow. I can't cause the milk to be produced. God, that's beyond my control. I'm trusting you. God, you need to, some of you need to hear that tonight. Listen to me. You need to hear that. You do what you can do. And let a sovereign God, a providential God, do the rest. Let him take care of it. Trust him. Don't trust in your ability to get it done. Because you can't do it. Let him do the impossible. Let him do what only he can do. You be faithful where you're at. And God will work his plan. Amen. Does anybody want to comment about what I'm saying? Comment. Raise your hand and tell me something. What's God speaking to you? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You do. You do your part. You do your part. You 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 go you you go to the doctors. You you pray for sustained health. But ultimately, it's in his hands. Amen. It's a perfect example of what I was saying earlier. Amen. 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 That's that's good. Some 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 other thoughts. I've, I've, I've been waiting. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we don't, we don't, we don't fully learn that this side of heaven. We, we, we're going to go around that mountain. We're always going to get impatient. We're always going to have confidence in our flesh. We're going to. That's going to be a temptation to have that confidence. But it's a continual growing, and we can get better. 
We can get better and not, not sit in fear like Miss Tracy was saying. Why did, why did this guy mess my life up? Man, really? I, d- d- does he have that much control in, in your life? No, I mean, God, God's, God's the one that's working the plan. Anybody else? What's that? He's deaf. Yeah, see, we can't, we can, people would question that. And they'd say, wait, wait a minute, God's not good. How would God, why would God allow that? But you remember the story in the scripture where they, they brought the boy that, the, the, the boy that was um, born blind and they, they questioned Jesus and said, well, whose fault was it? Was it, was it his parents' fault because they were in sin? Did they sin or was it the boy's fault that he was born blind? And Jesus said this, he said, he was born this way so that God's glory could be revealed through him, through this boy's life. And then God healed him. And, and so we just, we, we like to place everything in little neat little boxes. Well, here's my answer for this situation. This, it's that person's fault. And, here's, and, and in this situation, that's the devil's fault. And in this situation, that's my fault. We like the neat little boxes. But we have, again, we just, God has not removed himself. And he's with us in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Romans 8.28 says, All things, all things work together for the good of those that love God. If you love God, every bad situation that you go through, God can take that situation and reveal his goodness and his glory through it. I don't care how ugly the, 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 the divorce is. I promise you, when you're done, when, when you're done with that, you're going to step back. After you're done, you're going to step back and maybe I'll give you an opportunity to, to, to share how beautiful things are, are going to be. But you're going to step back and you're, and you're going to see, look what God did. You're going to have a beautiful testimony of God's grace and his favor and his mercy. And as difficult as it may sound, you, you, you may say, thank God that I went through a situation where I was able to see God's hand. Now, look, we don't ask to go through pain. None of us should ask for that. But there, I've, I've, I have thanked God in my life for situations that were negative. I wasn't thanking them in the moment. But when I look back, I can say, thank you, God, that you, that you let me go through that difficult time because I am, I am the man who I am today because of pain. It's true. So that's, that's how it is in, in our life. Amen. He makes the crops appear. He makes the grass grow. He gives life to the sheep. He produces milk in in the goats. He providentially works on our behalf. Amen? My last last thought here before I let you go. Trusting in God looks like saying, thy will be done. That's what trusting in God says. Lord, your will be done in my life. Your will be done, Lord. Not my own will. Not my own desires. Not my own dreams or plans. Let your will be done in the life that you created. What's the greatest model for this? What's the greatest model? The book of Philippians says that Jesus is God and he took on the form of sinful humanity. He had all the rights and the privileges of 
being God. And he, he laid that down and came down to earth to be a man, to take our place, to be our substitute. He is the greatest example of, of saying, God, Heavenly Father, let your will be done in, in my life. And we see this, the, the climax of this in Luke 22, in the Gospels in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the, the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, that's just so good. I, I just want to stop and say this for a second. This is just a little side note, off subject. He came out and went, as was his custom. He had a custom to the Mount of Olives, and the, the disciples followed him. And he, when he came to the place, you know, we all need a place that we go to. We need a custom, a, a habit of going to a place where we commune with God. So he came to that place, and he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup, this cup of suffering that I'm about to experience through crucifixion. If, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So a little thought here. When we pray that God's will would be, would be done in our life, we typically don't pray we, 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 excuse me, we pray like Jesus would pray. Lord, if it's your will, if it's your will, Lord, let my life not have difficulty. <laughs> if it's your will, Lord, please don't let me have pain. That's what we pray in our humanity. God, if, if you're willing, please don't let me suffer. I don't want to have to go through this. But what, what does a Christian pray? What's our next response? Nevertheless, God, I'll go through it. Not my will, but your will be done. If the founder of our faith and the God that we worship is our example in the area of suffering and trusting in God's sovereign care in the midst of suffering, and we are to follow in his footsteps, then we should never be surprised when we have to suffer and we go through challenges. But the reason why we, did, we struggle with trials is because we lose sight of God's sovereign care. So my encouragement to you tonight is to follow in Jesus' footsteps. To look at your life and to not, to not believe, to, to not believe the lie of the enemy that you're not going to go through difficulties. But to trust your life in the hands of a sovereign God that is providentially at work in your life. Do what you know you're called to do that's in front of you. Do the revealed will of God and pray. Say, God, not my will be done. Not, what, not my perfect picket flight, picket fence life. Not my perfect life where nothing goes wrong. God, never, let, let your will be done. If you, if you have me going through difficulties, God, I'll, I'll, I'll go through the fire because I know you're going to be with me. I'm not going to get burned. If you, want me to, if you want me to go through it, God, I will go through it. And I'm going to rejoice in your faithfulness. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you're working a, a bigger plan. And what was the bigger plan going on in Jesus' life? The salvation of humanity. Father, I thank you.
that you that you're so good. You're so good to us. And you have a great plan that you are working in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, around this subject of your will for our life. Lord, help us to say with true, sincere hearts, God, your will be done. Come what may, I want your will to be done in my life. Help us not to boast about tomorrow. Lord, we don't know what the future is going to bring. We don't know. Our hope is, in not, is not in our, our ability to secure a safe future. Our hope is in your ability to providentially care for us in the ups and downs of our life, in the difficult moments of our life. God, we, our hope is, is, is in you. And God, I pray that each and every person, God, that's going through a difficult time, I pray that this message would be a, a reminder to them that you are with them and that you are working in them in the midst of their difficult circumstance to make them more like Jesus and to, and, and, and to, and to develop a testimony that would be used for the praise and the glory of your name so that others may come to faith in Jesus Christ. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.